Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yes, you, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week, we meet at the table for an hour to experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other through our joys and, yeah, our lessons learned. We share topics the tradition tells us there are some things you just don't talk about. But here, we live beyond both the judgment and the wreckage. We share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for way too long. Every week, we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. However, you must come dressed in your inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37 and Comcast, Channel 27 and Reston, and webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Should you miss us, no worries. You can hear our archive shows wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Just key in Frankly Speaking with Tyra G Podcast or visit the media room on my website, www.tyragarlington.com. And if you just feel like connecting with me offline, that's easy. Many of you figured that out. Thank you. Email me at tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme. And for naming it, I'm listening. Over the past three years, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G., has been intentionally creating thematic works through stories across generations, cultures, and genre. We are learning from and paying tribute to servant leaders, game-changing organizations, entrepreneurs, all who are planting seeds that yield precious harvests, all who live their lives in spite of rather than because of. These leaders and organizations have chosen service as a method of healing both self and the nation. Service as a way of lighting up the darkness. To create a common thought space today, I want to echo some of my favorite words from best-selling author and acclaimed life coach, Iana Vansant, in her book, published in 2000, until today. And I quote, the greatest service I can offer is standing confidently in my power. It does not serve you or the word world, excuse me, for you to behave as if you're powerless. You possess gifts. You have the gift of intellect. You can think yourself into and out of any situation with which you are confronted. 
You have the ability to speak for yourself. You can defend yourself, promote yourself, encourage yourself, teach yourself, correct yourself. That's power. And you have a heart. Through it, you can experience love, grief, compassion, empathy, joy, peace, and an entire realm of emotions that let you know that you're alive. And while you're alive, you can create, destroy, reveal something as insignificant as a Lego house or something as significant as the capital of a state. You can create another life through that life. You have the opportunity to share words of compassion, to express feelings of love, to know joys of sharing, and to experience the wonderment of seeing a life grow before your eyes. That's powerful. You're powerful. Until today, you may have believed that only money is power or education is power. That the things you have is power, when in reality, what you can do is power. Stand up in your power. Embrace your power. Serve the world by bringing your power into your life. End quote. Let me repeat that last sentence. Serve the world by bringing your power into your life. Service is a standalone seven word that can be used as a noun, a verb, or an adjective, or in the minds of some others, the concept of service may sound like this. As we lose ourselves in the service of others, we discover our own lives and our own happiness. Dieter F. Uchel. Small acts, when multiplied by millions of people, can transform the world. Howard Sin. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Mahatma Gandhi. Leadership is service, not position. Tim Fargo. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Now to Review the critical words and the quotes, service and power. We're going to continue unpacking the relationship between owning your power as a means of providing amazing service. Today, we are using a voice from an international service organization called Rotary International to bring that to light. My storyteller today provides leadership in a global organization that since, now listen to this, 1905 has provided friendship, fellowship, comfort, resources in turbulent times, and so much more. In a recent show, I talked about the power of a thought. This story is proof of that power. Let me set it up by having you time travel back in your imagination to the city of Chicago in 1905. It is February 23rd, 1905. We're walking around downtown Chicago, Illinois. Now it's evening and it is cold and windy. Imagine just two years earlier in 1903, 
The Wright brothers flew an airplane under its own power. Theodore Roosevelt was president. The first pizzeria had just opened in New York City, and the first U.S. subway system was also opened in New York City. Henry Ford had just broken a land speed record in his race car near Detroit, Michigan at 91 miles per hour. (laughs) The words smog and depression became official in the dictionary. This was years before television, movies, social media. People entertained themselves by joining clubs organized for special interest, either political, social, or religious. Now, imagine a 37-year-old attorney born and raised in a quiet New England town by his grandparents, now living in this Chicago. Paul Harris is single, conservative, and shy. Finally, with a steady income from his law practice, in contrast to the nine years before, he eats out alone most nights. He's uncomfortable, and he tolerates the commercial, as he tolerates the commercial exploitation, social unrest, political corruption, and the religious fundamentalism that surrounds him. Wow, we don't have to time travel back to imagine some of those conditions. However, on February 22, 3rd, 1905, in room 711 of the Unity Building, 127 Dearborn Street in downtown Chicago. This same Paul Harris and three of his friends, Sylvester, Gus, and Hiron, who were also disenchanted with the social environment, unconsciously became game changers. All of them were looking for a club to join that fostered friendship, fellowship, business collections, connections, and a place to practice volunteerism that was inclusive and not exclusive. And service was the most important part. Now imagine Gus's office. This is where they are after dinner. After dinner, it's very modest. It has three or four very uncomfortable chairs, one desk, an old engineering chart on the wall, and one coat rack. All three of these men, however, showed up dressed in creative courage and commitment, enough to become planters of seeds that would yield a worldwide organization where today 1.4 members People of action, an army of apolitical, multicultural soldiers committed to service above self came to be. They named the seed that they planted Rotary. Rotary became the name because they would rotate the offices where they would meet. Now, here we are in 2023, 46,000 Rotary and Rotaract clubs work together globally to pursue the following causes. Promote peace, fight disease, provide clean water, sanitation, and hygiene, save mothers and children, support education, grow local communities, and newly added, protecting the environment and disaster response. 
Now, my guest storyteller today is Ms. Renee Laws. Ms. Renee is the Rotary 7610 District Governor-Elect. Now, as Renee introduces herself, she's going to unpack what that title means. First, let me just say, thank you, Renee, for taking the time. Your story will become our newest addition to our Rotary Human Library section. Renee, the mic is yours. Thank you, Tyra. Um, As I step back and listen to you painting that incredible portrait of the night of February 23rd, 1905. Yes. I I couldn't tell you how proud I am to be one of those 1.4 million Rotarians today. Yes. And and what that means to me um, is that I've been called to serve, essentially. Um, As district governor-elect, it means that on July 1st of this year, 2023, I will take the leadership role of our district, um, which is one of 40 districts in our zone, which is one of 34 zones in the world. (laughs) And so as you can imagine, sometimes I feel very small in a very big picture. Mm. And I'm reminded that it takes many hands. Um, Many hands make light work, my dad used to always say. So when I joined Rotary in 2013, I didn't know any of that story that you just told. I knew that it was an organization in my town that that we had decided to stay in after my husband retired from the military Mm -hmm. and raise our children. And my town had a Rotary Club, and the Rotary Club did service, and they needed people to help. They were putting on a big event for the county. Mm-hmm. And they wanted they wanted many hands. So I stepped forward and said, I would love to help. And a year later, after the event uh, was complete, um, I, I stepped back and said, okay, now I don't know anything about Rotary yet. <laughs> but I sure know how to have fun uh, and serve my community. And um, my sponsor said, well, then you do know Rotary. Yes, <laughs> so, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, so, so uh, ten years later, and I'll be taking a leadership role that I could have never imagined, which is leading my my own district in Virginia here, our little corner of the world. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. It's daunting, um, terrifying on some days, but mostly it um, it reminds me of the power that I've unlocked since I joined Rotary within myself. Mm-hmm. Um, learning through service, being humbled by my surroundings and being um, on a team of people who are so like-minded and want all of the things uh, that you've always wanted to do. Um, they're helping bring it to fruition. It's exciting. So I'm, I'm fortunate to be here. I, I'm, I'm happy that it's happening in this point in my life. Yes. I don't think there's another time where this would have worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that the district benefits from this timing. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind, okay? None. Um, and you will know by the end of this program, this podcast, uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, I met Renee, mm, wow, four <laughs> or five years ago, working yeah. on a project. And mm-hmm. um, then we had that fantastic intervention called pandemic and all kinds of adjustments were made 
but some good adjustments, right, Renee? I mean, oh, absolutely. I, I think that our district, Rotary in general, is more diverse and has grown in so many ways that we could never have imagined. So many yes. ways that would have so long without the pandemic. If there's a silver lining, it's that we're better and more connected. We're serving our communities in different ways, and we're attracting people who would never have seen Rotary before. And also, I was thinking, um, I I did see pandemic as a light, and you know, a little bit of light wipes away or dims the darkness. And I remember uh, being able to go to a Rotary Club meeting across the world via Zoom, okay? I remember uh, we didn't have to stop training. We didn't have to stop serving. We just had to change. And I think it was, Paul Harris said, way back in 1930, the world is a changing place, and Rotary must change with it. And we have found out as women, right? And Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's that's another whole story. Uh, But... We have that found- is one of my favorite Paul Harris quotes, by the way. Oh, that really? One- yes. And we didn't I- even know we had that in common. No, ma'am, but that is absolutely one of the best things that he ever could have said to help us keep growing in, in our in our mission. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And keeping, it's, it's one thing to grow, but what Rotary has uh, as a part of embedded in its culture is to stay relevant. And to stay relevant, you've got to change. You've got to change with everything, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, and I think the pandemic helped us do that at a quicker pace Mm -hmm. than it would have without it. And so if that's, again, that silver lining, that's what it is for me anyway. (laughs) I think if we talk to, I think however many people we talk to, we will have through their lens their journey into the door the open door of Rotary. However, I think how they translate that in what they do within the club becomes, like you said earlier, an opportunity to awaken their power. And one of the things you talked about, we're in Virginia. I have an international audience, and I try to always remember to tell them where we are. But uh, one of the things I realized is I can be in Virginia And I can impact girls being able to go to school now in Africa because we have dug wells where they have clean water. And they don't have to stop going to school when they reach the age where they're becoming women. So they have privacy. Mm -hmm. They have cleanliness. They have sanitation. And, you know, we say, oh, we dig wells. Wait a minute. What else do we do? We open doors for women across. We do that from Virginia? Yeah. We have a strategic yes. water alliance. Several clubs get together and make that happen. And um, I'm, I don't want to talk too much because I, I have I have so many expectations of what you're going to tell us. Let me just slow down. <laughs> Let me just slow my roll, okay? One thing. You get so excited when you talk about Rotary. And I that's do. Why I love you so much. I do, I do. And, well, what I also want to do is when I joined, now I'm going to share this story. I I worked for IBM many years, and this was in 1980, and I happened to be at a 100% club. And um, it was 
a speaker that I thought was so dynamic. So I opened my program to look at the bio, and the bio said they had some kind of role in Rotary. And I turned to my male colleague, and I said, what's a Rotary? He said, oh, you don't have to worry about that. Women can't be in that. And I went, uh, oh. Hang on. And, so, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was like, suddenly... I appreciated his message, but I didn't appreciate him that much. You know, like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And then you want to tell what you want to tell how we got to how we're here, women in Rotary in 20. Well, well, I'll tell you, because um, in 1987, the Supreme Court of the United States said a strongly suggested letter to the manager, uh, you will allow women in Rotary. And it's so funny because the. Prior to that, the wives of Rotarians, they had a little wifey thing, you know. And we know, my listeners know, all of you know, it takes two. Women are powerful. You know, we like to stand oh, yeah. we like to stand yep. beside the game changers who have traditionally been doing that and keep them innervated and then we like to go on off and do some powerful things as well. But yeah, the Supreme Court, you know. They had something to and, do. and right now we are serving under the leadership currently yes this rotary year under the leadership of the first woman president in the rotary international organization she say, it again, say it again you know, say it again <laughs> the first woman president of rotary international jennifer jones and um her theme is imagine, and yes. I couldn't imagine a better theme. <laughs> Absolutely, because it's, it, it has no boundaries. Imagine has no, no boundaries. boundaries. And yep. um, what I love as well, because we started out with 1905, and we're at 2023. Mm-hmm. And there have been women that have, uh, oh, there have been paved the way, yep. paved the yep. way. And so yep. we, we want to salute them and celebrate them right here and now. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Thank you for your leadership. Yep. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for surviving. And thank, thank you, you for, for yes, absolutely. Okay, and let me get personal again. <clears throat> yes, let's go. Let's <laughs> let, me, let me ask you something. I have been with mm-hmm. you watching you as a leader but let's take you out of rotary and let's put you in the street or in the public um what would be a 30 second elevator speech you might give to uh, a stranger or a prospective member when you say oh i'm i'm or they see a rotary pin let's start there they see a rotary pin and they say what's a rotary what would you do how would you my first well I my first question to them I, I, I answer the question. I wanna know what they know about Rotary. I wanna know what they've heard. So I say, Well what do you know about Rotary? Mm-hmm. And then and then we have a starting point because they may say, Oh, my grandpa was in Rotary or I heard it's like the Kiwanis or they might say they don't let women in, you know, <laughs> yeah. or they might say, I have no idea. Um so then I know where I'm starting from because I don't want to explain something that they already know. And, and if I only have a few seconds, I want to maximize my time. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, start out, I start out by asking them what they know. And then basically the conversation starts out if they don't know anything. I ask them if they've ever heard of the program called In Polio Now. 
Mm-hmm. And most of them have said, oh, that sounds familiar. Isn't that the gates or, you know, something? And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I jump on that. I jump on that. I say, absolutely, they're our partner, along with the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. And they just stare at me like, whoa, wait, Rotary is up there in mm-hmm. their mind. Mm-hmm. I'm like, absolutely. I said, you know, we helped create the UN. And I just smile. <laughs> and <laughs> um, sometimes they're taken aback and they say, well, what do you do in mm-hmm. Rotary? And there you I go. Explain. Mm-hmm. I serve my community, mm-hmm. um, and I serve my community locally, and sometimes I'm able to serve my global community, but Rotary, with its 1.4 million members around the world, comes together to help solve problems and, and make peace around the world, and if you'd like to know more, I'd be happy to share it with you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I remember um, I became a member of Rotary, a member of Tyson's. Rotary, Rotary Club, Tyson's Corner. And Mm -hmm. I remember that I would go to meetings. Well, actually, I was invited to a meeting, and I was so impressed. I remember they had President Obama's director of communication. That man said, whoa, I'm going going back there, right? Went back again. (laughs) And the next next meeting, because what we do when we meet generally, well, let me back up. This used to be the traditional model. But like right. Paul Harris said, the world's a changing place. So Rotary has changed. And we'll get into some of the models in a minute, okay? But yeah. um, I went a uh, second time. And the third time they said, Tyra, you can't keep coming back. And I was just, what? You know, this is a good place to be. What do you mean? And they say, you have to join. You can't just come here. This is, you know, this is a membership organization. Our product is service. You can't just come here and be entertained. I went, oh. oh I, I, and then I said, okay. I'll join. I'll join, you know. Um, oh, that's funny. I did. Oh, I did. Funny. And that's what funny. I realized, that then I went to, I think my first international convention was in Bangkok. And oh, wow. I went and I went as a member of Rotary. But what happened there? There were 36 countries represented. I think there were about 35,000 people there. And I was, it didn't impact me till I came home. But when I came home, I knew I was a Rotarian. I was not just a member of Rotary. I was a Rotarian. Osmosis. You have an opportunity at those conventions to to see all kinds of displays of what's going on oh, around the world. You meet people, and people see you with your little bag, or they see your pen, and they'll go, there's not anyone that you meet that whole experience that is not smiling at you. Right. I mean, you go, these that's are uh, amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And there I am talking again. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to do better. How about you tell... You're doing better. <laughs> I, I did. I forgot. I forgot what was going to happen if I opened my mouth and started talking about this because I have a love affair with Rotary. Anyway, tell us in your role, help us to understand as a leader, mm-hmm. what are your goals? What do you want to achieve? What legacy, your goals and the legacy you hope to leave? Well, I'm glad you asked, Tyra. Um, because Gordon McAnally will be the next president of Rotary International. Mm -hmm. He is a Scot, he is a dentist, and he is an incredible Rotarian. Mm -hmm. Um, He created a theme for the Rotary 23-24 year that will be um, create hope in the world. 
and he is bringing to the table. Now, there are many programs across Rotary worldwide that everyone can get involved with. Um, Jennifer Jones uh, brought to the table the Empowering Girls and Women program, which yes. is helping to unlock the power of women and girls around the world. And that means a different thing for every society. Um, so it's a different program everywhere you go, which is a wonderful thing. It's, it's, it's transferable. Um, Gordon McAnally's focus, uh, he wants to uh, carry on with the Empower Girls program. He has said that many times. Um, but he's bringing, uh, he wants to make mental health awareness mm-hmm. more, uh, bring mental health awareness to the table and make, uh, make the stigma of asking for help or talking about getting help or talking about mental health or therapy. He wants to take the stigma away from that mm-hmm. and make it just as common to go seek uh, a doctor's assistance if you have something wrong with your head, just like you would if you had something wrong with your hip. Right. So I think, I I feel like, and I agree with his sentiments exactly in this society in today's day and age, we often try to talk about how brave we are, courageous, how we do all these powerful things. But sometimes we're afraid to talk about the danger zones in between and the, you know, the kind of deep, sad parts of our life we have to go through to get where we are. Um, Sometimes we don't want to talk about it, but sometimes it's uncomfortable because society judges. You feel like society judges um, based on maybe what you've gone through, Mm -hmm. even though your life experiences are, you know, that's what happens to you. It's it's nothing that can be controlled. So um, you you can't control the things that happen around you. You can only control how you react. Correct. And so that's something that um, is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I've had myself a mental health transformation. I had in my personal life um, three and a half years ago, I had bariatric surgery because I was, um, as my doctor said, going to (laughs) die if I didn't do something about my weight. Um, I was 338 pounds. My frame is small. I'm five foot three. And I was on the brink of death. Um, So I had bariatric surgery, thinking it was a solution. I learned quickly it was a tool Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. that um, I had to do the work. It wasn't going to, the work was not done for me. And a year into that process um, is when I realized that if I didn't start um, talking to someone about why I was where I was, that I wasn't, um, even no matter how much weight I lost, I would just be right back where I was to start with. And um, so, you know, having a healthier attitude towards mental health saved my life more than the surgery. Gotcha. Uh, Because surgery was a tool. The mental health journey was the thing that kept me going. And I had, um, if I'm being completely honest, and I always am, I'm more authentic today than I've ever been. Um, I drank too much. I ate too much. Mm -hmm. I had a very unhealthy lifestyle when it came to my health. And... I didn't want to go back and, and, and let those demons take over again. So I went to my cousin who is a child psychiatrist and I said here, and I'm fortunate that I had someone to go to that would keep it private because at the time I felt like I should be shish about it. You know, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I can't talk about it. It's embarrassing. So I called my cousin um, and I said, Hey, I'm having these thoughts. 
uh, here's where I am in this journey that I'm on, and I'm scared, and I don't know what what should I do? Do I need pills? Do I need a therapist? Like what 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 is going on? Um, and I just know that I can't go back where I was. And he listened to everything I said, and I'll never forget. He said, "You need a therapist. Everyone in the world, in a perfect world, everyone has a therapist." He yes, said, I've had a therapist for 15 years, and I'm a doctor. <laughs> um, and the minute he, the minute he said that, I felt I wasn't ashamed anymore. I was like, oh, so it's okay. It's normal. It's fine. It's the thing, you know. And he said, absolutely. Um, I will tell you that the mental work that I've done since then has not only allowed me to live a very healthy lifestyle. I've lost 200 pounds. I've kept it off. I go to the gym all the time. I would never have thought I would do that. I eat really healthily. Uh, really healthy food. Um, I still have a cookie or a piece of cake. I, I don't um, not. I just don't have a whole cake. <laughs> or a <laughs> um, so I do enjoy my life, but I'm able to do so much more. But I'm also able to. My confidence is m- way way more than it used to be, and that has less to do with the weight loss and more to do with. I unlocked my power in my own mind that was always there the whole time. I was afraid of it. And you know what I'm hearing when, when you say this, when you give this powerful testimony, something clicked. I don't even know if you thought about it, that the upcoming create hope in the world and imagine those two themes, those two people may not understand that what they have done is it's like a cause and effect. And so yeah. if we continue with women, and I say with everybody, not just women, to understand they're worthy, because yes. that is not uh, a traditional uh, generational uh, thing that women correct. walk away with, right? And, and yes, yes, 100%. And I wouldn't be where I am in Rotary mm-hmm. if I hadn't done that work because I would not have been fit to serve mentally I would it's not something I could have even handled the pressure of being nominated and having to be interviewed and all of that would have intimidated me to the point where I would have said no way I can't do that job I even when I was approached about it um I even said to the DG that asked hey would you you know consider throwing your hat in the ring I think you would make a really great you know leader in the district and I said well there's already a couple of of women uh, governors, you know, are they going to just like look at me and say another one? And he, I'll never forget. It was district governor, Harry Henderson. And he looked at me and he goes, how many men were there in a row before? Four. (laughs) And I said, wow, Harry, I was short selling myself. And he said, you sure were. So here we are. I am now in the middle. There are two ahead of me and two behind me. That's right. That's right. I would not be here. I would not be number three in the middle here if I hadn't done that work and unlocked my own power and realized that I could, I can, I am yeah. a, a mentor and a leader and a team member and a peer. And, you know, I, I don't like to think of myself as the head or the charge of anything. I like to think of myself as a person who's able to bring together a group of people who want to do something powerful together and I'm just a conduit to bring them together to do that. And I, that, that's really how I see my leadership journey, how it's always been. I'm a team builder. 
I'm a, but I, I, I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and do anything that I've asked anyone else next to me to do. And I'll do it right with you. Uh, but we're all going to do it together. And, uh, you know, if we need some direction, I'm here to provide it. But really, I want to do what you want to do, and I want to help you make it happen. And I might have a little more experience. I might have a little more knowledge. My resources may be wider. So I can help you to do that, and that's my job. Literally, that's my job. <laughs> well, I would I would say um, by your viewing that as your job, you are modeling uh, an attitude that will allow many different lenses, many different kinds of people. You know, I, I feel like, yes, you are a servant leader. Yes, you are a consensus builder. But your style of leadership is attractive. It attracts people. So I think you will achieve your goal. You will help create hope in the world by creating hope every day by who you are. And so... Um, I, I, I truly do feel like I'm I'm that person that wants to um, I want to I want everyone to be able to be included. I want everyone to have a voice in what, where we're going. I want everyone to be able to come to the table. And for me, that's more important um, almost uh, than the mission itself. Uh, because the mission is going to happen, but how we create that mission, how we make that mission sustainable, that that is where the the real fun and the real work and the real stuff happens. That's where all the juice is. It's not in the end of the mission. We don't celebrate that the thing got done. We celebrate how we did it, how we achieved it, how we worked together, how we collaborated, how we brought in everybody's opinion and made something that everyone wanted. So what I'm hearing you say as well is uh, code word, diversity and inclusion. Yes, yes ma'am. Yes, ma'am, and you know that's my heart. I do. I do. That's why I wanted to give you an opportunity. You know, we're, we're a team here, right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. We yes. are. We are a team. And that's how we met. That's how we met. We were working on a DEI project, if you remember. I do. Uh, I do. Yeah, and that, the fact that that was my first foray into the district mm -hmm. is probably the very best thing that ever could have happened to me because it turned people looked at me and said, oh, that's how you are. And then and that's how I was in their, in their mind. So there was never a question of how does she feel about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because that's how I showed up on the stage. <laughs> no one ever had to say, is that something she believes in? Or what's she going to do? How's she going to change things? What's she going to come in and make us do? You know, I laid it right out on the table. There was never a question from the beginning that that was a big part of my mission using the four-way test now talk to talk to our audience about what that is yeah uh, you want me to yeah to talk to mm -hmm. okay. okay the four-way test it is not owned by rotary um but it was created and adopted uh by rotary as um a tool to measure if a plan in your personal or professional life was ethical and um, and going to be beneficial to everyone involved. And so basically there are four questions to ask mm -hmm. when faced with a situation. The first question is, um, of the things we think, say, or do, number one, is it the truth? Mm -hmm. Number two, is it fair to all concerned? Number three, will it 
bring goodwill and better friendships? And number four, will it be beneficial to all concerned? And then we sometimes add a fifth one. There are some Rotary members that don't like it because they say it's frivolous. But Is it fun? Like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but those questions, um, if you're looking at it through a clear and truthful lens, you cannot not be diverse. You cannot not provide equity, and you cannot not think inclusion is the most important piece of that. The four-way test tells us that. So if you use the four-way test to help build diversity, equity, and inclusion in an organization, you're doing it in a very pure and organic way because no one can look at all of those four questions, answer truthfully, and still say, but that person doesn't have a seat at the table. Impossible. Absolutely. And I remember uh, my my son was working on his MBA and he went to uh, a rotary meeting with me. And yeah. he called me about six months later and he told me he was working on his thesis and he was using the four-way test uh, as the centerpiece. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I was really impressed with that. I, I you know, and I thought, okay, yeah, it works not just in rotary, it works in life. Yeah. It works. it works in life. It's yeah. personal decisions. It's an incredible tool, and I'm going to. That is something that during my um, my term, I, I'm going to use the four way test um, as the district governor. One of the one of the parts of my job is to visit every single club in person. Yep. Uh, to meet with their board and make sure that everything you know is is going well for them. That they don't have any questions. That there's no training that they're missing and, and all of that. And then I meet with the general membership and I usually am supposed to share a message about, you know, my mission for our district and, and that kind of stuff, what I want to happen. But really my conversation to them is going to be about the four way test, what it truly means in our personal and our professional lives and how we can make our clubs a more welcoming place where we're comfortable talking about aspects of our lives like mental health. Yep. Um, because I that a safe place like your Rotary Club should be a place where you can go and go, hey, guys, I'm struggling a little bit. Anybody can help me, you know, talk me through this. And you would go and tell somebody, oh, I got this ache in my side, but you're not going to say, well, my brain's not working right. Um, I, I, I think that, that the Rotary Clubs are a great place for us to start fostering that loving environment where everyone's welcome at the table and everyone is, uh, open um, and free to talk about, you know, things that they need to talk about. I think you were um, right on target, and it's interesting because I belong to a hybrid club. That means there are people online as well as present. And this morning, uh, the, the president of my club asked me to do the prayer. We do a universal prayer, and I was, I was thanking uh, God for our family, our Rotary family. And it was interesting because I had a conversation later with one of my uh, members saying, yeah, yeah, thank you for that. And we do have that, and I'm going to need it soon. And, oh, uh, see, people, um, we can't set, this is, this is what's in my spirit now. I don't want people to think that Rotary is something, an entity that you put on the shelf that it has okay. that it has a use by date that it can only do a b c and d rotary is what you make it 
is what you need it to be at any given time. And the fact that we have the whole world as a place to discover where, what, when, why, and we can receive from that world as well as give it. I mean, who can tell, who does that? Come on, who (laughs) does that? That's the way I feel about it, you know? It's incredible, and we can and we can use um, we can use the four way test to to teach people how to treat each other. Oh yeah. Because sometimes in this chaotic world, we forget that you know you have your problems and you have your heartaches, and you think that everyone else around you leads a perfect life, and they don't. Um, they don't, and we have to remember to be kind. Um, I remember one of my favorite quotes of all time. My Angelo is one of my favorite. Uh, people to quote because just she has something incredible to say for every situation. Um, but for Rotary, I think as we're changing and growing and evolving into these different membership types and these different club types, we're mm-hmm. doing that to accommodate these new folks that are coming in, hearing about us, learning, wanting to be part of our mission. But we still have, you know, some of the old school thought processes that we're trying to break. We're trying to, you know, get kind of say, okay, time is passing. We're moving on. We're, we're, we're expanding. We're growing. We're accepting. And I think that if we educate people, and this isn't just Rotary. I just think in general, the world in general can be a hard place. If we educate people about, you know, you're not the only culture. You're not the only country. You're not the only, you know, uh, uh, faith. You're not the only whatever. Let, let's consider that everybody sees this entire world through a different lens. There are 330 million different lenses. And, you know, we can learn from one another and widen our lens if we want to. But it's up to us. Um, I think if we teach people, they can do that. But my Angelo says, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. Do better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, the other thing you're talking about, and Maya talks about this a lot, um, as Rotarians, we have to make sure that what we believe shows up in our behavior or what we say we believe shows up in yeah. our behavior. We can speak the four-way test easily, but can yeah, we live the four-way test? You know, when yeah. do we do we have people that don't know Rotary say, why did you all make that decision, right? Why did you choose right. to do that? What, you know, why why do you care about Haiti coming back alive after being buried under? Why, what is driving that? And I think right. we can say humanity, you know, humanity is yeah. driving that. So yeah. um, I also wanted to ask you, um, I'm watching the clock as well. I, I want to ask you, what... What would you change about Rotary if you could? You you can just wiggle your nose and change something. What would you change? Wow. I know. Whoa. <laughs> okay. I'll give you another that's one. <laughs> one. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. I would, um, ooh, I would, if I could change anything about Rotary, I would, I would, Make it so that um, membership was more accessible uh, to people of every socioeconomic status known to man because everyone wants to have the ability to serve and everyone should be able to. And 
I think that while I understand completely as a district governor that dues are completely necessary to make an organization run, wouldn't it be awesome if we didn't need them? <laughs> but now remember, you're magic, okay? You you can I do know. whatever you want. So this is your they perfect world. Rotarian, if they want to, that would be my dream, is that there's no financial barrier to becoming a Rotarian. That would be my dream. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So let me ask you one other thing. What would you like the listening audience to know? I mean, we've been talking about a lot of things. We've been personal. Okay. We, we've yeah. given a flavor of a rotary, you know, and oh, this is the other thing. I hope everybody understands people who don't know rotary look at the traditional rotary profile and it's usually right. male. It's usually male. over <clears throat> age. All right. And it looks like, wait a minute, it looks like they have stuff. But check this yeah. out. I keep reminding people Paul Harris was a millennial. Y'all hear yeah. me? Paul Harris was a millennial and he was lonely and he was broke. Okay. And he, he found these three guys. I mean, he imagine him wandering around Chicago and, and just sitting in a corner in a restaurant. He was not right. that guy that people see. Or used to see, I hope they see less, maybe I should state it that way, see less as the Rotarian, okay? Sure. And, right. and and I try to tell people that, you know, you, no, 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 this little guy over here, he grew up on a farm, his grandparents, he didn't, you know, he comes here and goes, yikes, what is this? Now, right. if we can take that information and understand that everybody we meet has a yikes, what is this about something? And we can make it so they can exhale when they're around us and feel included. Then um, I think we're doing. A, I think we would be doing a good job. But it's a process. It's a process. And here it's I am talking again. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just, <laughs> I want the process to happen organically. Tyron, I think you feel the same way. Um, I do. Don't, I don't want to. I, I think, uh, of course, passing laws to say, you know, this needs to happen is one thing, but society actually making it a norm is a whole nother That's thing. right. You can only legislate behavior, not um, attitudes. Mm -mm. Correct. And it, 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 so it takes time. But I, I, I think, like, again, education is the tool. When people learn what's in other people's hearts, when they learn that they really all come from the same place, they just look, act, smell, sound different because we're all different, then we start breaking down the barriers and people stop looking at one another and judging. And they start looking at one another and noticing all the similarities. And that is what brings comfort. When well, maybe Rotary what? can be the Band-Aid or a model yeah. of Rotary can be the Band-Aid to a society to that made a wrong left turn. Okay. Oh, and look I at me. So. I'm looking at the clock. You've got to read your letter. Okay. okay. People will understand that, one, I love this show, and I love the people that come and share with me, and I've never pretended to be anything but what you've experienced here, which I get excited sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I'm not so excited. Tonight I'm excited, and I'm, I'm so grateful, Renee. Would you – I ask her, as I ask everyone, you know this, to write a letter to her younger self to share with you at this time. And I'm hoping she is ready to do that. I am. I am ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, babe. So I'm imagining I'm imagining a, a young freckled uh, pigtail girl. So you put that in your head. This is who I'm talking to. She okay, was, babe. Yeah, she was a young, angry preteen. <laughs> okay. So uh, right now you're young and scared of your future. You feel weak and unsure, um, and you're not sure what you're capable of. But you have no idea about the incredible life you're going to have. Right now you feel stifled. managed, restricted in your choices. Once you become an adult, you'll still have some of those same feelings imposed on you by others, but you will accept them as necessary. Eventually, though, you'll realize that you're the one doing it to yourself, (laughs) and you'll change the way you operate, and you'll be more brave, and you'll have great joy, and you'll share it with others. You're going to have an amazing family with all the challenges and rewards that come with having lots of kids. There will be days that you won't think you'll make it as a mom, but you will. And you'll be stronger, and so will your kids. You're going to have heartbreak and very difficult times that will challenge you in your marriage, but everything happens for a reason, and those reasons will appear just in time. There will be times you want to give up, but you won't because you know you'll be stronger on the other side, and you will. You're going to lose people, and it's going to suck. Grief is hard, and there's no reward for getting through the stages, but you'll be better for it, and it will help you help others. And once you get your mind right, you're unstoppable. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn from them. You'll inspire others, bring people together to serve, and help people see who they really can be. From here, all I can tell you, it's all making sense now more than ever. Hang in there and live your whole life. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Well, uh, Renee. Yes. Renee, Renee, you've been listening to <laughs> Miss Renee, Ms. Ms. Renee Laws. Uh, she is our next District 7610 District Governor. Uh, you heard her. You felt her. You know she's a powerful source, a powerful energy, a powerful positive energy. And we are excited. I am excited for her to be my next district governor. I uh, I love it when our stories look and walk beyond words to places where expanded stories are born. Frankly speaking, is our time and space to help, to heal, to educate, and encourage each other in the into the best version of ourselves, no matter where we are on our journey. Renee and I have been talking and talking and talking and got real personal about, okay, it's not always sunny outside. I know people, and I'm one of them, even when life is good and I know I'm blessed, I may wake up and say, is this all there is? I may even say, I am tired of being tired. So what I have a habit of doing is, coming up with some words for a little spiritual doggy bag to take with you uh, during the week when you have that feeling. And I'm choosing tonight to say, I want to tell you some things, your mirror, and some of your so-called friends won't tell you. Now listen up. First, you opened two gifts this morning. They were your eyes. Every day you wake up, it's God saying to you, it's not over. You are more than what you have become. Now, I want you to see and know this. Although each of you came with unique 
fingerprints, ears. Each of you is a designer's original, created to do what no one else can do like you can do it. You have some common attributes and qualities that you share. When the going gets tough, when you're feeling utterly down and discouraged, you need to remember you're a miracle. You're important. You are stronger than you feel, stronger than depression, stronger than suicide. You are smarter than you think. You have multiple intelligences. You are more beautiful than you believe. Think about this. The ugly duckling was always a swan. Others tried so hard to make her be a duckling as she was growing up. She looked different. She had different skills. She began to believe this about herself. She was so unhappy until one day she saw herself in all her glory. She was a beautiful swan. You are a beautiful swan. You are more loved than you can ever believe. Your story has not been read. You've been listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, mobile device. Remember, we are webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Again, my guest has been Ms. Renee Laws. Your seat at the table is guaranteed. Now, I look forward to next time. Until then, promise me. You're going to treat yourself like someone you love. This is Tyra G. Living intentionally and loving you.